Hi everyone, it's JC, the You Made New podcast. We're back with season two and we're still grappling with the health of the mind. And I have to say, it's actually been a couple of weeks since I have recorded anything because we're in the middle of the coronavirus drama, um, like I'm sure all of you are, or if you're not listening to this during that period, you I'm sure know what I'm talking about. I Three of my kids are out of work. My hours have been cut. Stores are emptying. You know, just all the crazy news reports and social media blowing up and the world seemingly on hold. And so I I just have been thinking so much over the last couple weeks as I've been trying to deal with our own family situation, how this really does fit our season two focus on the health of the mind. Like I really think right now with everything going on, the true battle is in our mind. And I've been building a little bit in my own mind on the three-part series on fear that that I just finished, interestingly enough, kind of before all this hit. And then it hit, and so it's made me think even more of the power of the mind to lock on to Jesus Christ, to find him in a way that we can truly live in the eye of the storm. Um, In fact, I live in Utah, and we had an earthquake just right a week ago, right in the midst of all of this, a 5.7 earthquake in the middle of everything else. So talk about a storm right now where the world just seems to be falling apart. It it almost just seems crazy to even believe I could talk about how to live in the eye of that storm. Like how does a storm like this not sweep us away? Um, We talked about a lot of of how that works in the three-part series, but before I move on too much, let me just share what's been on my heart for the past couple of weeks. As I've been contemplating this, I've stuck with that same story where the disciples were on um, the water in the middle of the hurricane like storm where their ship was full and Christ was asleep on a pillow. I've been just mulling over that and mulling over that. And there's been some more, um, some additional things that have jumped out at me. And I think maybe it'd be good to talk about what we do when it feels like Christ is asleep. Some of us may be feeling like that at different parts, definitely right now with what we're all experiencing. But if you're listening to this at a different time, just picture those times in your life when it just seems like he's not helping. He's not aware. He's not changing anything. It just seems like even though we know he's real and we we have no question of that part of our testimony, he just feels like he's asleep. Like maybe he doesn't care or he could help more than he is. And so our minds can just spiral with that and struggle with that thinking, where are you? Where are you? And so the question I want to grapple with a little bit is why does he do that? Why, Why did he let those apostles or those disciples on that ship battle through their fear to such a point that the whole ship was full of water and they were going to go down. Why, why was he still asleep when they were in such dire need for him? I think it's a fair question to help us to bring peace to our mind and health to our mind and have a mind that's saved and delivered from the fear that can arise from these types of, of questions in the midst of these type of storms. So the first thing that's, that's, really just struck me. And and it's just a small point I want to make is that sometimes I think that circumstances like this are just a flat out test of our faith. I mean, here, here's the thing. When Christ is, is acting like Santa Claus and he's blessing us and everything is amazing and nothing's going wrong. And 
and we're just in these blissful circumstances, it's easy to believe in him and worship him and thank him and, and just rejoice. And, but when suddenly it seems like he's asleep, when it seems like he's quote unquote misbehaving, he's not doing what we're wanting him to do. He isn't engaged like we want or isn't changing circumstances as fast as we want. It really is a fair test of our faith to see if we'll bail on him the minute that he isn't just blessing and blessing and blessing us. If he does withdraw um, just to the point where we have to answer for ourselves, we, we just have that point of te- faith testing where we have to say, do I just love him when he's blessing me? Or will I hang in there and believe that even if he seems to be asleep right now, he has a reason for what he's doing. It will bless my life. I will learn from this. I will grow closer to him. You know, it's just that act of faith where this test really does show how we feel about him. Um, And so sometimes I think he needs, he just draws back a bit just to see or let us see the depths of our faith. Um, I don't know, just a few thoughts, but there's actually even been a bigger reason. And, and I think there's a lot of answers to the question of why he's sometimes asleep in our lives. I'm definitely not being all inclusive in this podcast, but for the next, for the rest of our time, I want to talk about one that's really hitting me and I have been pondering this. Um, I think, and it, it ties into that story again, still with the, on the ship, on the ocean. I think a lot of times we like to say that adversity makes us stronger, right? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Come out of it all amazing. And, but if you look at the disciples on the ship in this moment, when Christ pulled back, stayed asleep, let the circumstances unfold, what revealed itself in the lives of these, these disciples. I, I, I wonder sometimes if you would have asked them on the shores after right before this scene, they have just watched the miracle of the 5,000. They've just watched Christ feed all of these thousands of people with five loaves and two fishes. And, and they've seen what he can do. And so if we had asked them at the conclusion of that miracle, before they set foot on this boat, If they believed in him, if they had faith in him, I'm sure they would have emphatically said, are you kidding me? Of course, my faith is so strong. I believe he is the Messiah. He is the one I'm following him. I'm giving my life to him. I believe in him. But then they step on the boat and the storm comes up and the waves begin to hit the boat and the ship starts getting more and more full of water and they are beginning to panic and it seems like they're even going to go down what is revealed in their faith the ad- the adversity that Christ has allowed in this little story reveals like maybe their faith wasn't as strong as they thought it was as they would have proclaimed it was because at the first test of it they freaked out right He was on the ship with them and they had watched him just barely work to make work, amazing miracles. But the first test of their faith at the first application of adversity, what came out wasn't greater faith. It was fear. It was a lack of faith. And so what I've been pondering is I think sometimes he allows these storms in our lives because we may be saying to ourselves, oh yeah. 
you know, I believe in him. I'm faithful. I, I'm, it's strong. I have strong faith. And we may proclaim all the reasons why that it is strong and all the things that we do in our lives to show that faith. And, and granted, we may have wonderful levels of faith that are deeper than they've been in earlier years in our lives. But then a storm hits and suddenly it could be we're having the same reaction that the disciples had. We're freaking out. We're struggling with anxiety and, 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 and we're just panicking or, or we're obsessing mentally and, and afraid and, and working scenarios in our head. What if this, what if that, what is going to happen? We're not in a place of peace at all. And so what if the adversity itself by allowing it to come into our lives gives us a moment of self-evaluation where we have to be honest with ourselves about how deep our faith really goes. I mean, this is kind of an echo of what we've talked about in those three, that three part series, but I just think I wanted to make it so clear. I think sometimes we have to see that Christ is, is show, <laughs> I don't know if anyone's going to like that. I say this, but in a way it's a kindness to us to allow us to faith the, face these storms because we can see our true condition in a deeper way, we can't rationalize anymore and say, Oh no, 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 I'm, I'm faithful because suddenly we've watched ourselves not be. And, and suddenly we have to be honest with ourselves that, you know what? Maybe my trust in him doesn't go as deep as I thought. Maybe I'm not all that. Maybe there's more for me to learn in the life of trust and the life of faith. Because when the, the application or the adversity was applied, it, it, I freaked out. I didn't trust. Um, and maybe there's different levels of that. I mean, I'm just throwing that out for consideration. I had this hit one time as I was studying the idea of Gethsemane, the garden of Gethsemane. And I was looking up the word Gethsemane, which basically means oil press, an oil press. That's where they would take the olives, the harvest to be pressed. And the olives would be pressed in these, in these presses, um, to be made into oil. But if you want some, some interesting pictures, go to Google and look up Google images of an olive oil press, you know, what it looks like. There were these huge stones and they'd throw these, these olives down into the press. And then these enormous stones would be rolled over the olives, crushing them, completely crushing them and squeezing out all the oil that could come out of that little olive. But it came through the application of intense pressure through these, these stones, this olive press. And at the time, this was years ago that I was contemplating this, this analogy, but my life kind of felt like that years ago in whatever circumstances I was in back then, it felt like it was being crushed by an olive press. The pressure was insane for me to freak out. Um, I'll just say it involved some unemployment, some scary circumstances and see where again, uh, we're in those same circumstances again with fear. I have three of my kids that aren't working. I already said that, but it, it, it's, it's a very, a lot of pressure and fear pushing down on us. Just like that olive press. I remember feeling just like that, but as I watched what that press did to reveal something in those olives that couldn't come out without the pressure. I related to that because suddenly I realized I can say all I want about how much I love Christ and how much I want to follow him, and how much I trust him. But when the application of pressure comes, I have to do some self-evaluation and see, am I truly living in peace the way he promises that I can? 
as one of his followers? Or am I just a follower in word only? That the true um, promises aren't being lived out of my life. That I'm just as scared as the neighbor next door that doesn't know Christ. I mean, I know these are similar themes to the to the three-part series we just did. But let's really make sure that in this season of testing, we're not just praying and praying and praying for him to hurry and get it over with so we can go back to our normal lives. But that we're using it for the purpose of letting it reveal things in us that need to be changed. Thought patterns, um, belief systems that aren't working, that are leaving us in a state of fear or in a state of um, lack. On a very odd tangent, another thing that often is revealed in me during seasons like this, when the the pressure of adversity pushes down on me, um, and this comes from an earlier podcast, but I'm going to touch on it lightly. Where do I turn for comfort? When, when that pressure is on and when the circumstances of my life are just falling apart around me, what am I turning to? That's another self-evaluation moment that adversity is applied and I have to see what do I really trust in? Am I turning to food? Am I on my phone constantly? Am I binge watching to escape? And I'm not saying we should never watch TV in the midst of all of whatever, you know, our coronavirus quarantine. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, what am I turning for for comfort? The adversity is revealing that perhaps Christ isn't my only comforter. Suddenly I'm reaching for anything I can get for a little escape. That um, comes from season one. We talked about this in depth in um, episode five. So if you want to revisit that. Boy, that's a question that each of us need to have answered. And the reason Christ stays asleep sometimes and allows these storms, he's still there. He hasn't forsaken us, but he may just have been pulled back. He's laying on his pillow. He's sleeping. He's kind of chilling <laughs> to allow these storms in our lives to reveal things that need to be changed. Where do I go for comfort? It's also, um, I was looking back through um, other episodes in season one and in season or episode six, we talked about Jeremiah 17 about the tree that is planted by the water and it is green. That tree is fine. It is not shriveling. It is not freaking out. All kinds of waves of adversity hit in Jeremiah 17, hit this tree, drought, and I should have opened the verse. I don't have it open before me right now, but waves of adversity are hitting and the verses say the tree is still green. It's not barren. It's not dry. It knows where to find the nutrients that it needs to thrive. And so it's, it doesn't matter what adversity hits. It's digging deep into those roots. So if these are moments to ask ourselves, how deep do my roots go? Are my roots so attached to Christ that I am on a constant IV drip from him of peace and reassurance and faith and strength so that I am in the eye of the storm. I'm not whipped by the storm. I'm not drug under by the storm that's going on in my life right now. Or am I finding that I actually have really shallow roots that I can say, I love him. I can say, I know him, but at the first um, sign of scary adversity, and it is scary. I'm not saying it isn't. And I'm not saying feeling fear just means we have no faith, but the fact that we feel fear shows there is more progress to be made in our relationship with Christ. This whole story of the men on the boat. I mean, they were, they were in a life threatening situation as well. 
And so I think Christ, Christ allows us to go into these deeply difficult, scary situations so he can see and say to us, See, again, we said in the, the three-part series, we said he didn't wake up and go, oh, I know this is so hard. I'm so sorry. I'm here. Oh, I know you're scared. He did not comfort them. He looked them bold in the face and said, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? So can we embrace for just a minute moments when he lets us have that be revealed through adversity so that we're not in any type of denial? Um. So we're letting these things come to the surface so we can say, oh man, maybe I don't know how to rely on him the way that I thought. Maybe I don't have the faith in him that I thought so that, I mean, that's such an important moment because if we go on in our blindness and in our denial, we'll never dig deeper with him and we'll never understand the true levels of peace and strength that he can give us the miraculous ability of him to carry us through these types of life scary situations he's saying that he can and so if it's not happening for us when life falls apart if if the tornado hits and is whipping us and we don't yet know how to experience true peace in the midst of of jaw-dropping, scary, awful, horrible circumstances, then we're missing something that he came to give us. So let's embrace this adversity for what it can reveal in us. What it can reveal in our lives. And, And may it more than anything not fill us with shame that we don't have enough faith. No, these are very real things. And we're, we're very human. Oh, I had a quote from someone. I wonder if I can find it on my phone before it's just going to take a minute. If you'll be patient with me, I have to look up my website. Um, maybe I won't have time. Let me see. It is a beautiful quote on this. I will see what happens when I press. Maybe it won't. Well, maybe you'll get it next time. Cause I'm running out of time. Um, It's the idea that he's on that boat with them also. He knows the seriousness of the winds and the waves. He's not mocking us for being afraid in very real circumstances. He bawled for Mary and Martha when Lazarus died. He knows how hard these things are for us. By by describing this story in a way... And saying he did not comfort them. He looked up at them and said, where is your faith? I'm not saying that he doesn't have great compassion for the scary things that we go through. But I do think if he just pats us on the back and says, oh, I know, I know. We'll never rise up. He's saying, no, I know it's scary. But you don't have to go through it like this. I've offered you more. Come deeper with me. Draw closer to me. Let the other comforts fall away. Let the other coping mechanisms fall away. Come to me in a way you never have before. In fact, look at this story one last time. The worse the storm got, the deeper the water got in the ship. What did they do? Did they start bailing? Did they grab buckets and start trying to fix their life? No. The more desperate it got, they couldn't take it anymore. And they ran to Jesus. They ran to him and and desperately woke him up. If that 
is even the only thing that comes out of what our world is experiencing in this coronavirus crisis. If it will, forgive me, if it will just cause us to run to him, to quit bailing our own lives and trying to fix it or cope with it on our own, if it will just even cause us to run to him and say, where are you? Where are you? And, and make a desperate attempt that we're not going to hold back until we hear his voice speaking that peace to us. If that's all we get out of this, it was worth everything we have to go through. If we come to him with that kind of desperation, it was worth it because you can bet three or four months ago, we weren't that desperate for him. We weren't, maybe you were, but I sure wasn't seeing that in all of our lives. We were happy. We're busy. We're doing our thing. We're caught up in all kinds of different distractions, but now, now that the ship is getting full and now that the storm is about to take us under, we're running to him. What a beautiful, beautiful result of this adversity. Let's not waste it. Let's not just come to him to say, take it away, take it away, take it away. He did do that for them. He calmed the storm. But the bigger miracle will be if he can show us how to increase our faith so that the world can fall apart around us and we will not fall apart. I mean, this is the last days. His coming is soon. It's going to get worse before it gets better, right? Haven't the scriptures promised us that? So if we use this experience to teach ourselves how to come to him, rely on him, drink in his strength and his faith and his patience and his calmness so that even if it does spiral out of control from here on out, we know where our peace is found. What if this is our transformative moment so that for the rest of our lives, we will never take him lightly ever again. We will cling to him with the way that they did after the storm. Just cling and drink it in with all that we've got. These are hard subjects, aren't they? But why don't we do the work and get there and just go there with him and just drink deeply of these gifts. Sending all my love for you this week. I know for all of us, if you're listening at the time in 2020, this is, this is an unprecedented year. But let us use it for the gift that he is to draw us each closer to Jesus Christ. Thanks. Hope you'll join me next time.